0: up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
1: Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash acast. And up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST.
0: Hello, and welcome to My Time Capsule. My name's Mike Fenton-Stevens, and my time captured is the podcast where people tell me the five things from their life that they wish they had in a time capsule. Well, that's generally what happens. They tell me four things that they cherish and would like to see again, or in some cases would be a benefit to mankind. And they also tell me one thing that they wish they could bury and forget, something that mankind could do without. My guest in this episode is the award-winning comedian, author, and podcaster, Alex Horn. Alex is the creator and co-host of the BAFTA and National Comedy Award-winning hit TV series, Taskmaster, which first aired on Dave before graduating to Channel 4 in 2020. With over 100 episodes, an Emmy nomination and a Royal Television Society and Broadcast Award for Best Entertainment Program under its belt, Taskmaster is a gem of British programming. The show has also transcended national broadcast borders, with adaptations airing in a dozen markets around the world, including Australia, New Zealand, Quebec, Portugal, the Nordics, and Croatia. The Taskmaster format is a smash hit in Sweden. Well, I never, where it won the title of Best Entertainment Program of the Year in 2020. Taskmaster, of course, has also spawned books, a board game, and two podcasts. More of that later. Alex wrote the book, Bird Watching Watching. Alex is not a bird watcher, but his dad is. And this book is about a challenge between them to see who could spot the most birds in a year, which took him from Barnes to Bahrain. He's also written Word Watching, one man's quest for linguistic immortality, by inventing words in an attempt to get them in the dictionary. Alex is also the creator and frontman of The Horn Section, a six piece band of multi-talented musicians. It's also now a TV show on Channel 4, with its first season airing in the autumn of 2022. The band is a staple of the Edinburgh Fringe and has made several appearances on 8 out of 10 Cats Does Countdown, Never Mind the Buzzcocks, and of course it also makes the iTunes chart-topping The Horn Section Podcast. Now normally I record my time capsule during the day. This is one of my rare evening recordings – Well, Alex is a very generous man, so generous, in fact, that after a busy day, he gave me and you his time to tell us the five things from his life he'd want in a time capsule. So here is the wonderful Alex Horn.
1: Hello. (laughs) Alex, how are you? Uh, I'm very good, thank you. Thanks for doing this so late. No, thank you for doing
0: it so late. The wonderful thing is when my son, who is my producer, said to me, Alex Horn said he's going to come on. I went, why? Yeah, good question. Yeah, why? It's nine thirty at night, and you are a very busy man. So I have to say I'm I'm honoured that you've just said yes, which is lovely of you.
1: Well, I, I don't know why, but I like the idea of the podcast, and also I do, I would say, in terms of market research, the list of people who've been on it was very persuasive.
0: <laughs> did, that's good. Yeah, yes. you
1: think? Well, that's you know, if they've done it, I'd love to do it. But also, it's it's a you know, podcasts. You you know, in a sentence, whether it's a good idea.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. When you do your own podcast, when people come to you with an idea, you quite often go, ah, it's "Just too complicated." What yeah, you done completely. You know, yeah, but I'm always willing to have a go at it. I do lots of different podcasts for people, and I, many of them I've never heard. Yeah, so, but I feel that if podcasts are going to have a chance, then we all have to, ha- you know, give them support.
1: Completely, and it, and mm. it is only you know, however long. My kids are all in bed. My wife's in bed. What else else would I be doing? It's just a chat. Yeah, it's just a chat. Yeah. That's all it
0: is. So I looked up a few things, obviously, because you do that thing where you think, I ought to know something more than I know, surely. Right. Uh, But actually, I found out I knew most of it anyway, which is nice, apart from the fact that I really like On the Taskmaster website, it says um, Series 1, Series 2, Series 3, and I looked through them. I thought, oh, yeah, I'd forgotten they were on that. I'd forgotten they did it. And lots of people that I know are going through it over the years. And then it said Series 18, Series 19, and it went up to Series 21, which is due to go out in 2026. Oh, blimey. So so that's a nice thing to know, isn't
1: it? Yeah, it feels like the world might not still be going in 2026, but let's hope so. Yeah. Yeah, that's terrifying.
0: Well, we do need programmes like Taskmaster. It's a it's a fabulous show. Well, one of those questions you'd ask, really, in this situation is how? Because I look at lots of things that you've done and I've gone, what made you think that people would pick that up as an idea?
1: Mm. Yeah, I wish I knew the answer because, honestly, since Taskmaster's been going, I've pitched so many ideas that haven't gone anywhere. Really? Yeah, yeah. Huh? It's just so much luck, isn't there, I think. You know, Yeah. It's a there's a bit of an alchemy of the right idea, the right people, and the right channel. My main thing with telly is that I think everything should get a second series. Mm -hmm. So many things get cancelled after one, and you learn so much in the first series. Yeah, yeah, that's where you make mistakes, I think. Yeah, and we were lucky enough to get a second and a third, but we were just flying by the seat of our pants like anyone else, you know, learning and, Mm. and hoping to get that second series. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it wasn't even meant to be a telly idea. It was meant to be just a fun thing that we did up in Edinburgh once, so... That might have been part of the secret.
0: I think maybe that is the secret, actually, that you don't plan ahead. that you think, that's a funny idea, let's do it.
1: Yeah, and I'm not a TV producer either, which maybe helps. It means, you know, I'm not... (coughs) Because quite often TV producers are trying to give the commissioners what the commissioners think they want, Mm -hmm. um, which is a slightly dangerous game to play, I think.
0: Yeah, it's always disappointing when they say, "Well, well, what's it like? And you say, the thing I've just told you, yeah. that's what it's like.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and I understand with commissioners, it's tough because they, they need numbers and mm-hmm. and viewers want to know what they're watching. I Yeah. I, I don't know about you, but when you look back at things that have worked and things that haven't worked, you've just got to be vaguely grateful that anything's worked. <laughs> yeah,
0: I think you're right. I've been involved in one or two things, particularly pilots, you know, where you think oh, this is a definite, this is going to go, you know. Mm. It's got a great cast, brilliant producer, great writers. It's absolutely perfect. It's a wonderful idea. Nothing. Not interested.
1: Yeah. Yeah, And, and if I was starting comedy at all now, I went up to Edinburgh with my kids last year, and there's so many brilliant young comedians, and there's so many of them that it's terrifying. They're all good, and they're all hungry, and they've all got their TikToks and their... YouTube channels. They don't need telly, I don't (laughs) think.
0: I know I was talking to somebody the other day about Edinburgh in sort of 1979, and we were talking that we basically knew every act that was on. Mm. So we all gathered together as a group because we were doing comedy shows.
1: I mean, I think it's still close-knit in a way, and I think it's easy to look... Because I'm the same as you. I think I look back and think, oh, it was so much simpler when we were starting, and we all knew each other, and it was meritocratic, you know, and we all... So... I find with Taskmaster, I'm all right. Because I'm still starstruck by Bob Mortimer or anyone. I mean, all these people. But Mm. we have all got the same starting point. We've all done the circuit. We've all done gigs in pubs. Whereas nowadays, they don't necessarily go through that process. But they do go through their own process of putting their videos up and getting three viewers. You know, that's their Edinburgh thing. Yeah, yeah. But it's also
0: interesting you say the idea that you need to give something a second chance, you need to give it a second series, as it were. I wonder, thinking back now on people who we think of as iconic, when I first saw them, say in 1981 or 2 or something, they were a bit of a
1: mess. Yeah.
0: And I wonder how many of them would survive in the current climate.
1: Yeah, it's a very good point. I mean, you had a lot, a lot of chance to grow. I was reading yeah, an article, an interview with Billy Connolly this mm. weekend, and, I mean, I'm sure someone like him would, the funniest people will always find their way through. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Who knows? I, I imagine it's the same process now. I think I think it still is, unlike some things maybe like music, it is still meritocratic that the funniest people will break through, I hope.
0: Yeah, and, in fact, there's more opportunity now, I think, for people to find the thing that they, they like. So it can be a very small thing. Yeah. And then lots of people will come from all over the place
1: and join in. True, true. Yeah, I guess the only problem is that you might get a big viral hit before you're ready for that sort of fame. Yeah, you do see that, don't you? You see people who've
0: got enormous numbers of followers on Instagram because they had a few things that everybody watched. Mm. And then they're, they're trying desperately to sort of repeat it.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think also I just really loved going around pubs and clubs around the country in a car with four other comics. Mm-hmm. And that social side of it is great. So a lot of... So we had a guy called Manya Chihuahua, who's absolutely brilliant, who did Taskmaster. He was the first comic who sort of got on the show not having done the circuit. And he's mm. so funny and brilliant, but he's had to work his way up all by himself, editing his own videos, putting them out. And I think, to be honest, I'm just quite glad I didn't have to do that because it seems like a lot of hard work. <laughs> yeah. And driving around the country is a different sort of hard work, I suppose. But yeah. yeah. At least you didn't have to do technical things. All you had no. to do was drive. Yeah. Drive and talk and go home, Yeah. brilliant
0: well what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about five things from your life you've chosen to put into a time capsule four things you love and one thing you'd like to put in there bury and forget so that's it so what have you come up with for me
1: yes i understand the concept i like the concept (laughs) um are
0: you going to twist it now
1: no i don't think so no i (laughs) i I think i'm taking it pretty literally and i think i have thought about burying stuff i you know, with the kids, as a, I, I like the idea of burying stuff that future generations will find. I actually did um, archaeology at university for a term. Oh, did you? And it was really, it was one of the main things I really enjoyed about studying was one particular lesson. Um, they're saying that say if you dug up a jam jar nowadays, if you dug up a grave and had a jam jar in and whatever was inside the jam jar was decomposed, what do you think was in that jam job? Because when you do archaeology, you're just guessing. So we've dug up all this stuff from the Romans and the Greeks, but we don't really know what it meant. So that jam job might have had jam in, <laughs> or it might have had something, it might have had an, an ear, or it might have, you know, we, we don't know why you've buried what you've buried. So I love the idea of burying five things and future generations of lecturers and students having to guess what, <laughs> what that means about our society. Sit like there and puzzle over it. Yeah. yeah, so the first thing they're going to find in my capsule in the year 20... Five hundred or whatever it is Mm -hmm. is um, a snail shell, which belongs to our first family pet. Since I've had kids, um, we had a giant African land snail. Oh right, called Santa, who um, (laughs) who I didn't love. I know we're meant to put in things that we loved, but I loved having a pet. This I don't recommend anyone anyone get lands. I think they're actually illegal. You can't you can't bring them into the country anymore. Right. But the ones that are here keep spawning their own snails obviously. Mm. So the story was that my eldest boy went to primary school and in on his first day he had a letter back from the teacher saying if any uh, I can't remember what her name but Miss Jones, let's say, yeah. has a giant african land snail who's had babies, if you'd like your child to have a snail, please send them in tomorrow with a margarine tub. <laughs> so we we thought everyone would do that and we want our son to be popular. And it turned out we were the only people who did it. So we came back with this <laughs> tie with a leaf with a tiny egg on. And within two years it was eight inches long. Wow. And we'd spent we spent hundreds of pounds on this animal because <laughs> it sort of doubled inside every week and we had to buy a bigger house? Yeah, a bigger house. Yeah, basically yeah. basically aquariums but with no water in And they're nocturnal, so you never see them do anything. <laughs> he got through a cucumber every two weeks. And he kept the kids awake because they they munched so loudly. So we had three kids under five, and or um, mm. well, three kids under three actually.
0: Oh, I feel for you. Yeah, it was terrible. For... <laughs> yeah,
1: three kids and then a snail. But you know, anything to keep, teach the kids how to look after things, I suppose. Yeah. But then he died, uh, Santa. And the reason I want to bury the um, <laughs> the shell <laughs> is because we all gathered around the garden, the bottom of the garden where I buried him, where I tried to bury Santa and I shoved the spade into the ground, and I managed to hit an underground wasp's nest, which I didn't know was a thing, and all the wasps flew out, and the kids were crying already, and then they were screaming. (laughs) So I buried him alone eventually, and then the following morning got up, and on the doorstep at the back door was the shell, which a fox had dug up, or a badger had dug up, and eaten the contents and deposited back on our doorstep oh, so no. so I've tried to bury him once and now I want you to bury it the second time just the shell just the
0: shell uh, yes the rest of it was uh, well you say eaten sucked out I, think I don't know very... how
1: they, it was It was completely empty it, it was pretty grim as well that's a really horrible thought isn't it it was a horrible thought yeah but I quite like that it's you know instant reincarnation you know that I think I, when I die, I, I want to be buried rather than burnt. I like the idea of things eating me, I think.
0: It's, yeah, yeah. Well, going back into nature, yeah, going round so. again.
1: Yeah, I, I want worms to nibble away on me. Yeah. I wouldn't mind a fox digging me up and dragging me out. <laughs> did you have an
0: idea then you might go into archaeology, or was it just something you were interested in?
1: No, well, I did. It was classics. So you do, it was uh, Latin and Greek. So you do language, archaeology, history, and. Uh, Well, literature, I suppose, were the four segments. But you focus on one. Is that four years, classics? No, it was was three years. And I feel so sort of stereotypical saying this, but yeah, three years at Cambridge. Mm -hmm. But I really liked it for the language mainly. And archaeology, I couldn't redo the history. And there's philosophy as well, I couldn't cope with that. But I really enjoyed (laughs) the archaeology because I liked the thinking about it. And we had one really good teacher who just taught us to think about the stuff you look at in a museum Mm. and not just necessarily accept what you're told so, no, I don't think I'd ever thought I would be an archaeologist, but I, it was just... I mean, if you're studying classics, it's unlikely you're doing it to learn a trade. It's yes. just to its just to get your brain whirring, I think. It's so you can do crosswords. Yeah, I, I did a lot of crosswords. <laughs> but I think that's all right, isn't it? I think it's fine to do a degree that just interests you.
0: I think it's important, actually. I think the whole idea, the Rishi Sunak world, where you have to do something because it shows... A result at the end that you can monetize is absurd.
1: Mm. Yeah, useful for some people to do that, certainly. But yeah, yeah, I think really important that some people don't. Uh, yeah, I mm. completely agree. Because also, while you're there, you know, I, I did do practical stuff while I was there. I wrote for the newspaper and played sport and did started doing comedy. So yeah, your degree isn't necessary why you're at university.
0: No, no, I completely agree. Um, why did you call the snail Santa?
1: I didn't. Um, the five-year-old called it Santa. It looked like he was shuffling, like a very old Father Christmas with a sack on his back.
0: Oh, very good. I yeah. think that
1: was the image that was in his brain anyway. So he was instead of carrying his home, he was carrying his sack of stuff. <laughs> That's nice. Uh, yeah, so Santa the snail. Yeah, I don't think he had a great life, but we looked after him as best we could. <laughs> well, you know,
0: a new aquarium every now and again and, you know, yeah. munching
1: away all night. Yeah, we did put him out in the garden sometimes. We tried to sort of entertain the kids, so we put him out <laughs> on the lawn. And he moved pretty quick. He moved about five miles, five metres an hour, probably. Right. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a lot of red kites where we live. We live in Buckinghamshire and there's a lot of red kites. And we had to keep on... Someone had to guard him in case they swooped down and took him off. So he, he didn't get eaten by them. No. So he died With, of natural causes. Oh, uh, well, bless him. Bless him. Yeah. Good old Santa. Bless Santa. yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: it's sort of the old joke, isn't it, of the... Uh, is it a tortoise that gets bugged by a bunch of snails? Mm, yeah. A policeman says to him, you know, describe what happened. He said, I don't know if it's all happened so quick.
1: <laughs> yeah, I like that.
0: That's a <laughs> good joke. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I quite like slow-moving creatures. The, the sloth has always fascinated me, that they're asleep for 23 hours a day and the other hour they barely do anything. <laughs> and I, I think they're onto something there, I think. Taking things slower
0: is good. Well, certainly people who spend their life frantically running around trying to find something to do and fill Mm. their hours and everything, you do wonder if when they get to the end of it all, which, you know, I'm closer to than you, I would imagine, but I can see that thing of looking back at all those things and thinking, should have stayed at that lunch table a bit longer.
1: Yeah, yeah. My wife, we have a lot of conversations of me telling her just to sit down sometimes Mm -hmm. because being the mum of three boys, there's a lot of not sitting down. And she's getting better at sitting down and reading a book. And it's so rare nowadays, I think, for people to sit down and read a book. You know, when you're on the tube, so few people are just reading a book. Yeah. Yeah, we're trying to carve that time out more and Mm. more. Rather than the phone. Rather than the phone, yeah. Yeah. You know, they're good for things like podcasts, so we can't get rid of them completely. No. (laughs) No. But yes, we're we're in yeah constant battle with the phone. I was going to put the phone in because I know one of these items have to has to be my least favourite item, the thing I hate, Mm -hmm. and I was going to bury my phone. But I think they do good. They do some good. So I haven't. Yeah,
0: the moment you need nine nine nine, that's the time you go. Oh no, I buried it. It's
1: in my time capsule.
0: Yeah, (laughs) what an idiot. Yeah, but we will put Santa just the shell. I'll polish it up a bit. Now, some people, when they look at this idea, they say, "Okay, so I'm going to bury things in a time capsule so that I can have it. Right. It's interesting the different way that people interpret the idea. Mm. I don't define it at all. I just say things you're going to put in a time capsule.
1: Yeah, I'm into another, you know, it could be another species finding it or another, you know, it could be aliens. I don't really mind, but I want them to look at it and interpret it, like you say, and find the shell and think, was it a communication device? (laughs) <laughs> was it a precious heirloom, or was it was it a living creature? You know, it's they're all sitting there blowing into it, yeah, putting it to their ears, potentially, yeah, and also learning. You know, the biologists can look at it and think this is another species that may not exist anymore because they're not actually they don't survive long. I don't think these shells they're, they're slightly delicate, so you'll need right. to you might need to lacquer it or something. You might need to protect okay. it, yeah. If that's okay. Yeah, make
0: sure it survives. Mm. Yes. Vanish. Aren't they also, wouldn't they also be a mathematical clue? Mm. That thing in maths where it's Yeah, it we should constantly... know what that is. I've got we that on know the tip that is, of my tongue. We? Yeah.
1: Mm. I mean, it's not even on the tip of my tongue. I don't think it's in my mouth at all. <laughs> but, no. Oh, it's the something, something, isn't it? But yeah, they're pretty beautiful. Fibonacci. Wow. Sequence. Is it that? That's it. Is, it. is it the Fenobachi sequence? I reckon it is. Let's say it is. It bloody well is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I put in the Fibonacci sequence into the time. Oh, very good. I'm, I'm going to edit that. Yeah, and
0: just make it sound as if you know exactly <laughs> as what intellectual to talk to you as about. As possible. <laughs> yeah, they are
1: pretty fascinating things. And and actually seeing it grow at the same time as my son, probably about the same rate as my son was growing. Mm. Eight inches in two years, but moving faster. I hope. Yeah, he was. He was. But they're probably growing at a similar rate. And it was there was some fascination. You know, checking it every. He only probably looks at it every week. But it had grown enough to. I, I, it'll be interesting when I talk to him about it when he's our age. Or, mm. or, you know, do you remember the snail? Probably probably won't.
0: Yes, it is interesting, having gone through that process. I now experience things with my grandchildren and think about them as adults talking to me about it if I'm still around. Because I have that conversation with my son and my daughter.
1: you know. I'm really sorry, Michael. My That's middle right. son has managed to find a thing that he'd lost. You found it? Yeah. <laughs> Where was it? I was going to the toilet, then I saw It, it was in the toilet. In the toilet. corner of my room. In the corner of your room. Perfect. Everything's all right. Sleep well. You too. Bye-bye. I'm so sorry. That's all right. He's lost... He's 12, and he, he's at this age. They get AirPods, you know, the little headphones. Mm-hmm. And he yeah. lost one of them. Uh. And he's not allowed to take them out, out of the house, because they're really expensive, and he will lose mm-hmm. them. But he's found it, so everything's good. Okay that's good. Yeah, so I'm so yeah. sorry to Yeah.
0: No it's right. I have these conversations with my children where we talk about things that they remember as a child that I remember them doing as a child and it's very interesting the different perspectives that they have on it. We were talking just yesterday and not one of us not my wife or I or my children remembered the same thing
1: at wow. all. Wow. Wow that's we're all the center of our own stories aren't we and Yeah. Yeah that is fascinating. How is your memory because mine's appalling. Uh, I'm good at names, but details. My wife is reminding me about a holiday we went on before the kids to Wales, and I don't remember a second of it. I don't remember (laughs) anything about it. I'm the opposite.
0: Really? I'm really, really bad at names. Uh, My wife is always reminding me of people's names, whereas I can remember whole days. Then we did this, then we did that. Wow. Going way back.
1: It's a bit of a curse, actually. Yeah, but different brains, isn't it, I suppose? I mean, mm. I think I prefer yours because I think names, you can ask them their name again. You'd say, I've forgotten. it. Again. Yeah. What
0: is it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or just say mate.
1: Yeah, that, that, that'll work. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. All right. So we've got Santa's shell mm-hmm. in the time capsule is the first thing, Alex. Lovely. What's number two?
1: Well, you know what? I think number two might be, it's not quite, but it's almost a Fenabachi sequence. It's, We're going to look very foolish if it isn't that. <laughs> this, this, this one isn't that, but it's a similar shape to a snail mm. shell. It's a French horn. Ah. which I think looks snailish, mm-hmm. but I'm not putting it in for that reason. I'm putting it in because I used to play the French horn up until the age of fourteen, mm. and I gave it up because I couldn't do it. I got to grade four, I could play the theme tune to either Dallas or Dynasty. It was the one that goes. <laughs> is that? I'm not sure which. One. I think that's Dallas, and I think I think it is. Yeah. Uh, but I struggled and I couldn't do it. And my friends, two of my good friends, who I'm still in a band with, my best friends really from primary school, we went to Chichester Youth Orchestra together. I only went once and wasn't allowed back. And they became <laughs> they became musicians and I didn't. So, But I love the shape of the thing. I love that what it symbolises. And I think I like to bury it so that the instrument is preserved and other people can play it in the future. Yeah, I really treasure the memory of trying to play it. And I like mm. preserving the idea that Maybe I will dig it up myself and learn again. If if this was Desert Island Discs, it would be my luxury, probably. Oh right, they are famously difficult to play, yeah. aren't they? Stupid choice as a child. The trumpet would have been the one because I love, I love. Mm. I, I'm glad I chose a brass instrument, but the trumpet is more transportable. You can play it in rock bands and ska bands and reggae bands and pop bands. No one has a French horn, no, and it's far too
0: hard. Now, you can take a trumpet to a football match, can't you, Yeah, and get people going, whereas I can imagine with one hand stuffed yeah. down the horn. Yeah. Do you actually use the hand in the horn? Is that is that just muting or is, or do you use it to make the note? It's mainly to
1: hold it. It's literally right. where your hand goes. They'd never thought of putting a handle on it. <laughs> You'd think, wouldn't you? No, and it's very comfortable, actually. But, um, no, I think the proper players do, you can affect the sound, but that's not mm. the reason why it's up there. Um <laughs> But well, you're right. So Joe, the trumpeter in my band, The Horn Section, he is the substitute trumpeter for the Barmy Army at the cricket. Oh, brilliant. And it's, it's a wonderful job. And he, he plays, he's played with me before at a football match. And it's, yeah, you can drum up an atmosphere, you can bring out at a party.
0: I mean, you know that if you're in a crowd and somebody goes, ba, da, da, ba, da, ba, 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 you're uh, going to go, ole!
1: Yeah, it's brilliant. It's, yeah, completely. I think that's what I wanted, but I didn't know I wanted that. And so I chose the French horn because my surname was Horn, mm-hmm. and I thought that was funny. <laughs> and it, it turned out not to be funny or practical. No, you just wanted to say Horn's Horn. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and my nickname at school was Horny. The teachers called me Horny, and I didn't realise till much later that that was inappropriate. But um, <laughs> it is a good so I think it's a solid surname. I, I do enjoy the surname. Mm. But the French horn itself, yeah, it's... I do love it, but it's something of a curse as well.
0: So you think you might take it up again then?
1: So when we started the band, uh, Mm. we did a show up in Edinburgh, and the show ended with me. My French horn actually, um, you could unscrew the bell, and it came into two parts and fit it into a briefcase shape. Mm. So the last five minutes of the show was me screwing the bell back on and then playing the very last note of the... I did a little scale, a scale of C, and hit a top C to end it. And I really enjoyed just relearning... The umbershire and just the process of playing the instrument. So, yeah, you never know when I'm retired. Do you
0: find it frustrating then to be in that band full of those amazing musicians who can play almost anything? And you sort of go, Well, you're known as the non musician of
1: it. Yeah. Well, they, they find it frustrating that quite often I'm not known as that. People assume that actually I can play um, and I really can't. So, I do find it frustrating, but I, I've sort of, I'm at, I'm at peace with it now. I think I just could never. Do what they do. I, th- I, I think, you know. I think we all. Well, I don't know what you, your opinion is, but I think you are born with some talents. Yes. And some things you can't learn. And I think I could never do what they do. They, they just have an ear that I don't have.
0: Mm-hmm. I think you can learn technical things, but I'm mm. not sure if you ever understand performance particularly. Yeah.
1: Mm. Yeah, and I think it's the same with sport and art. You can learn so much, but then there are people who've just got it. Yeah. And yeah, musically, I I have tried a few times. When my youngest started playing guitar, I tried to learn with him. And maybe it's the age thing as well, but I just, he just zoomed ahead of me. And I just, I didn't have the patience, maybe, mm-hmm. but uh, but I just didn't have the ear for it. So yeah, I, I'm at peace with it now, Michael.
0: Okay. I'm not going to push you on that.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I but I, I wouldn't mind picking it up again and playing for 20 minutes every day and getting to some sort of standard.
0: Yes. But well, so far, both things have been rather show like. So, so. They have been.
1: Mm. Part of the reason I'm burying it is because then I can't play it again. You know, right. I don't think, I won't miss it mm. when it's under the ground. How deep is it being buried, Michael? Is it being, are we pouring concrete on it? Um,
0: well, it's up to you, really. I, if you want me to bury it and then put a large slab above it, you mm. know, sort of a, a, like this boulder will never move, and really make sure that actually somebody's going to have to go to some trouble to find this, then then I'll do it for you. That's the sort of man I am. You I would, would like, like you to do that, Michael. Okay. Yeah. All right. You bastard. I would.
1: I, I, yeah. I would. <laughs> but that's because also I know what my number three is. And yeah, you've got okay. a challenge.
0: A challenge. Did you, as a young man, did you listen to Flanders and Swan?
1: I did, and as a sort of medium-aged man as well. And that a friend and colleague of mine called Tim Fitzheim, um, He did a show every year, recreating the, the mm. Flanders and Swan shows. And, Wonderful. Uh, yeah still brilliant. And my grandmother used to sing the Hippopotamus song. Yes. Uh, and now my mum sang it to my kids after my grandmother died. And, um, you know, I think it will be passed on through the generations, I hope. And actually, you know, that wordplay and skill, it's not I, – I don't think our band does that. But there's there's elements of our songwriting which I reckon is re- inspired by them. I, yes, I'm I would sure. hope.
0: I'm sure that's a very British style of writing comedy in rhyme, isn't it? The yeah. whole thing, that sort of, I found a French horn in a secondhand shop. I polished it up and I started to play it in spite of the neighbors who begged me to stop. It's very it, good. It's beautiful, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Really skillful. And I, you know, you worry that it might be lost, that style of writing. But, you know, maybe rap music is a modern version of that. Some rap is so witty and so smart and so clever and so brilliantly uh, syncopated or whatever the word is. Mm. So. You know, that might be a development of that. Yeah, all those internal rhymes of things. It's very similar, I think. Mm. You reject rap at your cost, I say. I agree. And, you know, a lot of people's gateway into rap was probably Eminem. Well, when I was a student, he was the one that kind of brought it into the mainstream. And it was so funny, some of the stuff, and so detailed in their stories. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, similar to Flanders and Swan, but so different as well. Mm.
0: Yes okay (laughs) that's the first time I've ever heard Flanders and Swan compared to Eminem (laughs) yeah there we are uh yeah okay well we will put your French horn safely beautifully polished thank you uh shall I take it apart and put it in a suitcase
1: yeah I think so because it's really annoying to screw the two parts together it's really hard to find the thread (laughs) so I'd, I'd like people to struggle with that
0: Yeah, and if we're putting this future puzzle out for people, I think we ought to make it as much of a puzzle as we can. So maybe they'll think it's two
1: items. Yeah, maybe, well, I mean, it comes into loads of parts because you have to oil it, you have to take apart all the little bits. And I enjoyed that as a kid, actually. And you have to empty it from spittle every (laughs) sort of 20 minutes you play it. So, yeah, let's take it completely apart. Okay, all right. And not label it.
0: Okay, Alex, that's in there. So what is number three, then? You need to be buried deep. Okay, well, we're halfway through the symphony in five movements, but before the Allegro, we have to take a short commercial break. Highly commercial, I hope. See you in a minute.
1: Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save
0: 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. Welcome back. Okay, the conductor's baton is raised, the bus driver looks surprised, and several passengers on the top deck are feeling nervous. So let's find out what else Alex Horn would like for a future world in his time capsule.
1: Well, number three, you're going to need to... um, You might need to rent a digger, Michael, because we're going to bury the Taskmaster house. Ooh. If that's all right. Yes. The entire thing. Um, I'm sure you've had... Have you had buildings buried before? I've gone bigger. I've gone bigger. I'm sure you have. But and it is actually a modest house. It's a um, people don't realise it, but it's a it's a small bungalow with maybe eight rooms altogether. So it was a two-bedroom house, maybe three, bed- a three bedroom three-bedroom house, and somebody did bring up some kids there. But it's a tiny little sweet cottage from we think the nineteen thirties. We're not sure. So we've done the show for eight years now, and I've been in that house more than any other house except for my own house. Mm-hmm. And we've had parties there. We've you know celebrated births and weddings and um all sorts in eight or nine years so it's just full of memories for me as well as a hundred odd comedians going through the doors yeah and you know ridiculous things happening so I'd love that to be preserved i think that's why I wanted it to be buried is i'd love that to be my acropolis or mm. Acro- i don't think i pronounced that very well my acropolis or you know the buildings in pompeii yes i'd love that to be completely and i wouldn't mind a couple of comedians being sort of in there too, in some sort of poses, <laughs> doing some sort of activities. Let's put David Badil in. Yeah, just <laughs> mummified
0: somehow. He'll, he'll be all right. He'll survive. He survives yeah. anything, David. He's fantastic. Yeah,
1: we'll have <laughs> David in the lab. Yeah, that'd be good. But yeah, the building, I just really love the building and and I'd love it to be preserved with all the stupid trinkets we've got. and all. We, we try to, from series to series, keep the props that matter to us in... Some It's like a sort of living museum, I suppose. Mm. So I think a, a future archaeologist would have a lot of fun trying to understand what happened in that house. <laughs> what the hell went on here?
0: Mm. What's brilliant about it, I think, is that in a way... Uh, well, I'll ask, how much thought do you put into the combinations of people when you pick them for the series? Because it, it seems to work with almost any combination of people.
1: I think hopefully it does. So we do put loads and loads of thought... But then we also come back to what you've just said, that it sh- it should work with any five, as long as there's definitely enough variety. Mm. Um, I'd say one thing we struggled with, so we decided after five series to have a Champions of Champions where the five winners all came back. Mm. So they were in order, Josh Widdicombe, Noel Fielding, Mm -hmm. no, he was number, my brain, this is the trouble. (laughs) Well, not in order, they were Josh Widdicombe, Noel Fielding, Catherine Ryan won Series 2, Rob Beckett won Series 3. Then we had Noel Fielding and then we had someone else. (laughs) Bob Mortimer, then we had Bob Mortimer. Bob Mortimer. And and actually having five winners meant that programme I think was slightly less interesting for me because you didn't quite have that variety of someone doing it very badly, mm. someone doing it in the middle, someone thinking like a sportsman, some, someone thinking like a mathematician. So those five were maybe slightly too similar. Right. Although Bob, you know, Bob was different <laughs> to anyone. Yes. They, and they were all different. But I think you, there is an there is some sort of mix, uh, but there's no science to it. It's 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 done on gut feeling and instinct, really. Mm. We pick someone and then we think, oh, who would go well with them? Who's different to them? And we always try to pick one big name two middling names and two people you've never heard of. <laughs> well, I'm available. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you would fit right in, Michael. But, yeah, so there is a lot of thought, but it's a lot of luck. And every series I am terrified that this will be the one that doesn't work. Mm. But so, it's lovely. Um,
0: I mean, you can never quite tell beforehand, obviously, how competitive people are going to be or how good at the game they'll be. You know, I mean, mm. some people would might just be funny. Do you know what I mean? That actually, they've just yeah. got an instinct to be funny. It's people like Sally Phillips, I always think, who just
1: are so—they always surprise you with everything yeah, she, they do. She was really surprising. Lisa Tarbuck was really, really surprising. Just—I I love it when people, are, when I don't know when they open the envelope, what they're going to do. That's, mm. Quite often, I can have a pretty good guess of which direction they'll go in. Yeah, but we've had so many that, yeah, are constantly going in a direction that we didn't see coming, which is which is why I, why I love my job so much because I'm in the room seeing it happen and it's, it's always fun and fascinating. Yeah,
0: fantastic. I mean, you would almost, without doubt, know that Dara was going to win.
1: Yes, I think that's fair. Yeah, yeah. And actually, it's quite rare to have a tight seat series. Quite often, somebody steams ahead. Yeah. But I would say the winner of the show isn't necessarily the winner of the show in that, there's other ways of winning. You don't have to win the show to win win people's hearts. No, um, not that Dara didn't. But often the person who comes last is actually the one people remember. Oh, I think um, everybody has their own favourites. Everybody yeah, has the yeah. people
0: they. I love this person. I love the way they do it. You know. Yeah. I thought Kyle was was very funny on it.
1: Yeah. 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 He came second. Mm. Um Yeah, and I agree. But I think you're completely right. and It's generated this sort of weird subculture of people who talk about it on a lot online. Mm. And I don't actually look at these websites because you'd go down a rabbit hole. Um, but I've seen people do sort of ratings of who your favourite is. And thankfully, it's really mixed. There's never a low liar or a top liar mm. people have completely different opinions and we know the show is really popular with neurodiverse people oh, right. uh autistic people particularly mm-hmm. who really like the fact that we show different brains at work yeah. and people approaching the same problem in different ways have you thought of so, having joe worlds on who is, yes yes yeah joe would be great it i would mean be, I uh, think. Yeah. yeah so fern brady was perhaps the most well-known neurodiverse person we had on it. Her mm. book, she wrote, Her book came out soon after she came on the show. And actually, I didn't know she was autistic, um, but it was fascinating. She approached each task in a different way to everyone else. Yeah, completely. And I've
0: got two autistic grandchildren, and they they don't do things the way other people do them. And sometimes the way they do it is so clearly much better. You go, oh, yeah, much better. Why have
1: we never thought of that? Yeah, and I think I mean I can't speak for people why they like the show, but. It is really nice seeing it appeal to all sorts of brains, I suppose. Mm. And actually, I go to primary schools now and do lessons with it or do a whole day of tasks with 30 kids, and it's so interesting. (laughs) Often, I don't want to stereotype, but often the girls will stop and think and the boys will rush in. Mm -hmm. But equally, amongst those boys, there'll be one who does it in a completely different way and sits by himself and does it. And Yeah, it's really fun to... Not always reward the fastest runner. What a fantastic
0: the, idea. There's, you you yeah. are doing uh, Taskmaster, a junior Taskmaster, aren't
1: you? We are, yes. It's called Junior Taskmaster, not Taskmaster Junior. We, toyed, we didn't know which was the best combination. But, yeah, mm-hmm. that's coming out next year. And it's nine to 11-year-olds. So it's quite a small uh, window of age. And, again, we took a lot of advice about what's the right age, partly for what is the right age to put kids on telly mm-hmm. and expose them to that. And it was decided that the last two years of primary school is kind of before they are developing, you know, before they're in that secondary school, slightly scarier world. Yeah, yeah. And they've still got an innocence, I think, but they are independent enough to come up with their own ideas. Yeah. So I I don't know if it's right or wrong, but I I think it's a good age, having seen the kids do it.
0: Yeah, I think it'll work because actually... It's going to secondary school, it's going to the big school that makes you quite often shut things down, doesn't it? It's a shame it does that, but it does do that. It makes kids become more protective of themselves. So in fact, just before then, they go, well, I've got an idea and I'm going to do it. I like these ideas. Why shouldn't I do it?
1: yeah I mean there's always a danger of having too precocious a kid or whatever mm-hmm. and we 've had to really cast it with a lot of thought we 've got someone called Mel who's in charge of the casting who 's been absolutely amazing, lots of auditions, lots of chat lots of psychological tests to make sure they 're up to it mm-hmm. and a lot of you know there 's a lot of responsibility on our shoulders to make sure because we want the taskmaster to be tough on them because that 's the show you know if they 've done badly, we want them to be able to tell them they 've done badly and <laughs> yeah. not not to upset them so it'll be fascinating i mean I think we so i 'm doing a I do quite a lot of stuff in schools. and I'm doing one at the end of next week at a grammar school with 15-year-old kids. Mm. And they've been I've set them tasks over the last couple of months and actually they've come up with brilliant stuff. So we're potentially missing out on those sorts of kids. Mm. But anyway, maybe we'll do different ages as if yeah, you've got on. time. You've got time. I mean,
0: I think it's well you've sort of demonstrated by talking about it the fact that the care that's taken over it I think there are, I'm not going to specifically name a quiz show or a show on the television that actually drives me mad, but it seems to me that people enjoying other people doing something, even badly, Mm. is, well, I think it's a good thing. I think that actually you're so often looking to just see people either fail miserably or be embarrassed, Mm. and I don't think that that's necessarily
1: what we should be doing. Yeah, we were really keen that it wasn't a prank show mm-hmm. where we were setting people up for a fall. We kind of wanted to give them a blank piece of paper that it was up to them if they did it well or badly and if they embarrassed themselves that was on them not us. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't want to make it something they didn't want to do. I mean there's nothing wrong in embarrassing yourself. It's it, no. you know if, that's
0: it's funny you should we all do in life and uh, actually yeah. just doing it in public is is the same thing really.
1: Yeah. But I think you're right, we just wanted people to do things as well, you know, get off their chair and do things. I mean, it was definitely inspired by uh, Whose lines It Anyway, which I used to love, mm-hmm. uh, The Krypton Factor, The Crystal Maze, mm-hmm. shows where you're, I'll Challenge Annika maybe, shows where you start with the premise and then you see it unfold. Yes. And sometimes people do well and sometimes people do badly. But, um, yeah, not being too... Snarky, hopefully. I mean, you know, Greg and I are quite mean in it, but we also hopefully celebrate when people do well. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. No, no, but the meanness is without doubt humorous. Yeah, yeah. I think people realise pretty Mm. quick that yeah, it's tongue in cheek.
0: Well, like you said early on, that it must be thrilling. I think to be in the room with some of these people, you've got a group of people in front of you. You go, I can't believe that we had this idea, we talked about it, and now we're doing it with all these people. It's
1: fantastic. Completely, and that happened, that dawned on me early on in the first series when I was on, I I ended up on a train with Frank Skinner and a boulder (laughs) and no camera crew because we we do it for real so we don't set anything up and the task was get this boulder as far away from here as possible in one hour (laughs) and Frank managed to get it on a train and I got on the train with him but we weren't allowed to film on the train so it's just me and Frank Skinner and a boulder (laughs) and I was a big fan of, still am a big fan of his. and it was just so weird that... Yeah, this stupid idea of mine has ended up with me getting this train with Frank and a boulder. So that that, that journey home that night, I was thinking this is the best thing ever. Mm. I was so happy. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Well,
0: let's put the house or the bungalow then mm-hmm. into the time capsule. Okay. i work hard. I'll bury it safely and make sure nobody... I'm not going to get any squatters. Don't you worry.
1: Great. Thank yeah. you. We might bury it upside down. Oh, right. Just to add to the sort of thing we'd we'd do in the show. Uh, It's very upside down, Mm. just to annoy. And certainly make sure the doors are locked. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Okay. (laughs) So we've got two more things,
0: Alex. One you want to keep and the other one you want to get rid of.
1: Okay. Which one do you want first, Michael?
0: I don't mind. Do you choose if you feel that the one you want to get rid of is going to make us weep?
1: No. You know what, Michael? I'll do that one first because I'd like to end on a happier note. Mm. But... uh, I've had a very lucky life, and I think to be a comedian, you need a lot of things to go your way. And actually, I've relied on a lot of parental support um, because it doesn't—you don't earn any money. I didn't earn any money till I was, you know, till after I got married, after we had our first kid, Mm -hmm. and I relied on my wife being the breadwinner, and you know, my parents to have faith that this would eventually come good. So I haven't got. And I've been very lucky that my family are healthy, et cetera, et cetera. So I haven't really got a tragedy to put in. <laughs> so what I'm putting in is my brace when I was a kid. I had a mouth brace. I don't know, what a dental. Uh, you know you have train tracks in your teeth? Yeah, yeah. I had that for many, many years. And before that, I had a removable one. And I hated it so much, this contraption in my mouth. And actually, I tried to play the French horn with it, and it used to make my gums bleed. <laughs> of course. And it made me feel... Ugly. not that I had particular body issues, but I hated my, the look of my mouth. I hated the fact that I had this stuff in there and I, I, I had a bit of a lisp with it. Mm. And I think four or five years of my life as a kid were just slightly miserable because of it. And I think it was a cosmetic thing. I don't think I needed a brace. And I, my teeth now are still pretty <laughs> dreadful. So it didn't, it didn't really work. And I think I'd like to put it in there before I even had it and I think I'd like to go back to my young self and say either you didn't need it or don't worry about having it because no one else notices it I think it's all in your brain yeah but I think I somehow putting and my one of my kids has got braces now and he's fine with it I think I was just slightly sensitive about it maybe it's slightly more fashionable now I think really yeah. it's a sort of a thing that people expect to get I think so and actually his is not cosmetic it's a, his jaws you know it's they, I think nowadays they don't do it cosmetically unless you are rich <laughs> yeah I think so I think yeah it's true you pay a lot more for a cosmetic one yeah it was just for me it was an unhappy part of my childhood which is you know shows in general my childhood was lovely mm. yeah <laughs> but uh, it's, it's just uh, I, I lost it once at a happy eater on the way to a Tottenham match <laughs> I, I left it on the side of my table and my dad phoned the restaurant and they sent it back and I was so annoyed that I got it back uh-huh. I thought I was going to have a month without it until they made a new one uh-huh. but it just, I just couldn't get rid of the thing so I want to finally lay it to rest. We have this dilemma at the moment. My
0: oldest grandchild has, they've said he's got an overbite mm-hmm. and that he should wear braces. Now, he's also one of the autistic grandchildren, and so it's going to be a real trauma for him, I think, having to have this mm-hmm. thing on. And so the decision, not my decision, obviously, but the decision that they have to make is, does one outweigh the other? And I think that's true of all children, really. If, if in fact, the doing of it, is going to affect their personality, you know, which it can do. At that sort of age, mm. you are developing who you are. And if it can push you back, then that's something you're going to have to live with for forever rather than having slightly wonky teeth.
1: Yeah. I mean, I feel worried now that I've over-dramatised how bad it was because <laughs> it was fine. No, no, I
0: can just see the trauma in your eyes.
1: <laughs> well, I would say the day it got taken off was one of the happiest days of my childhood. And I really remember smiling at people <laughs> proudly for the first time because I was... You know, I was I was definitely shy before they came off, mm. so it can have an effect. But it doesn't seem to be that way at all with my son. I'm I'm always there at the orthodontist when it gets tightened, and I'm wincing and I'm thinking this is awful for him. This grinding process, mm. but he seems fine with it. So I would not necessarily say it's a bad thing. No, and at least he doesn't have to play the French horn whilst wearing no. it. <laughs> no, although I would say the first night you have it. It's agony because it's it strength for my son as well. He had to have neurofen all night and he couldn't sleep because it tight, it pulls your teeth together. You oh, yeah. I'm so glad I'm burying this thing. I really am. <laughs> I, hate, right. I hate my brace. Good. It was either that or the music of ABBA, <laughs> which I can't stand. And I know I'm in the wrong, and that my bandmates who are musicians tell me their songwriting is perfect. But something about the music of ABBA, Makes my skin crawl, and I apologise for to Abba fans. But
0: well, knowing yeah. me, knowing you, there's nothing we can do. I think it should go in there. Do you know? I'd slightly agree with you about Abba. There's an element to it where it's all just too organised.
1: Maybe it's that. Yeah, I, yeah. As soon I recognise an Abba song from miles away at a wedding or any event, and I have to go away. I have to go to a different room. <laughs> Anyway, uh,
0: yeah. Okay, well, we won't do that, though, but we will put okay. your brace in. Thank you. Uh, into the time capsule goes, that's the thing you want to bury and forget. I'm going to put I it really under do. the house. It's
1: upside yes. down on top
0: of it. Nobody's going to find it. They'll that.
1: never find it. Thank no, you. No. Thank you.
0: Okay, so finally, one more thing you want to put in that you'd like to keep.
1: Yes, and it's slightly um, odd in that I didn't know what my fifth thing was going to be until I was talking to my dad last week. And he mentioned something that I'd completely forgotten about. Um, We're putting in one of my dad's old suits. It was a sort of, not quite tweed, but it was a very 70s suit Mm -hmm. that he kept in his wardrobe from when he was, I was going to say my age, but my age when I was 20. It was one of his old suits, and it was really sort of fashionable in the 70s. And it was my parents' 50th wedding anniversary two weeks ago, so we all got together, and there was my parents put these this album on the table. Well, there's 15 of us all together, so me and my two brothers, and all of our partners, and all of our kids, mm, and my parents. Great. So it was a lovely occasion, yeah. and we had a big dinner, and we looked at these photos of my parents. And my kids had never seen my parents when they were young. So my dad had quite long hair, mm-hmm. and my mum looked amazing. You know, she was 24 when they got married. And my, you know, to my kids, they're always granny and grandpa. And they, just, they were blown away by these pictures. And uh, and I'd kind of forgotten as well that they were these young people. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure they are still young people in their heads, you know, like I keep thinking I'm 20. <laughs> so, so this suit represents their youth, I suppose. But also then I wore that suit at a lot of fancy dress parties when I was 19, 20, because it was so cool. And then my comedy partner and best friend, Tim Key, wore that suit for our first Edinburgh show. So we did a double act together Mm. and he wore that suit because, again, it was just this sort of ill-fitting but cool suit. So it's this must have been 30 years after my dad wore it and he wore it with a suit. We both wore the same shirt with a horse on. Anyway, the shirt's not (laughs) important but the suit's important and I want to put it in the time capsule partly because I don't know where it is. And I I know we haven't thrown it away but none none of us know where it is. But I can put the concept of it in this time capsule Mm -hmm. to preserve it. Um, Because I'm quite vaguely sad that I don't know where it is because I'd love my kids to wear it in the future and I keep a lot of my clothes because I want them to wear it, you know, them at fancy dress parties one day. Yeah. Because I'm sure my, you know, I thought my dad's suit was absurd but now (laughs) I think it's so cool. Is it the Travolta
0: era? Is it wide lapel?
1: It's slightly wide. It's not even that extreme. It's Mm. just slightly flared and Mm -hmm. slightly wide lapels and tight round the thighs.
0: That's better, you know. If you go to the extreme, then they do become absurd. Yeah. But I think that that just that slight flare and a little wider in the lapel, they are really cool.
1: Yeah. And I don't think it was expensive, but it was obviously well made because it's lasted... So long, and and you know, Tim would get very sweaty wearing it in our shows, and mm. I got sweaty wearing it at discos and things. So it's seen a lot, yeah. And yeah, if I could have it, if my kids could wear it one day, great. But I don't think they can. So let's let the future generations find it and put it on and laugh and keep it alive. Yeah. So it's a sort of memory of my parents, but they're still alive. So it's not a sad memory; it's a happy memory.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Fiftieth wedding anniversary, do you see? Yes. Wow. yes Yeah, I got married. So it's my twentieth coming up. It's my nineteenth coming up. And I think that feels like a long time, but 50 is a long time, Mm -hmm. you know, lots of ups and downs, mainly ups. And yeah, it was a really great weekend, actually. There was no speeches or anything. It was just, I could see them looking out at their offspring and offspring's offspring, thinking, not quite, we did it. But, you know, thank God it worked. Because it's such, you know, it's tough. I don't know about you, but my work before getting married, it was definitely, well, I hope, I hope this works (laughs) because it's a huge leap off a cliff, isn't it? And I hope the parachute, is going to open?
0: Yeah, I don't know. I don't quite remember thinking that way. But I was very young, so I'm just coming to my 45th wedding anniversary, so not far behind your mum and dad. No. But um,
1: I I sort of remember thinking, well, of course it'll work. Did you? Yeah. I must have been sure to come through with it, but I definitely had a moment thinking, oh, dear. (laughs) I I mean, I hope it works. Well, in a way, that's sort of looking at yourself, I think. When you look at yourself and think,
0: why would this person stay with me for that long? Mm. I still think that.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I hope you're safe. I think so. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, that might be what they call stasis. <laughs> it might be. It might be. How many grandchildren have you got, Michael? I've got
0: four grandchildren. Brilliant. So it's all worked out perfectly. Two children, yeah. they've doubled. My DNA is getting slowly spread throughout the world. Yeah. It's rather perfect. But well, if
1: they keep doubling now, you're going to yeah. have thousands of uh,
0: great, gonna, great, 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 like great grandchildren. I'm going to like King Edward, yeah. who apparently we're all related to.
1: Ah, uh, Well, that's good. Yes. Well, my suit... Um, not, it was my suit for a bit, but my, my dad's suit is going in, if that's okay.
0: All right, I shall put it in there. Wrapped up, a bit of cotton. Make sure there are some mothballs.
1: Yes, and maybe some of those things that you have in theatres that stop suits smelling. Yeah, wardrobe mistresses. Yeah, please please make it not reek. No, absolutely
0: not, no. I mean, if everything else in the time caption is a mystery to the people who open it, then this won't be. They will take mm. it out and go, oh, my God, look, it's the
1: iconic 1970s suit. Yes, perfect. And I'm sort of hoping, actually, if one person discovers all this stuff, they can have a lot of fun with it. You know, they put the suit on, play the French horn, roam around the house, up to them what they do with the shell.
0: (laughs) Well, it's a very good time capsule. Thank you very much for giving me your time which must be fairly precious, with three children and plenty of work to do. So, uh, yeah, it's lovely to meet you.
1: No, you too, and thank you. It's been nice choosing and nice talking. I didn't really plan what I was going to say, so thank you for being a lovely listener, Michael. (laughs) Pardon? I couldn't resist it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You have been listening to My Time Capsule, with me, Mike Fenton-Stevens, and my guest, Alex Horn. I hope you enjoyed that episode. I did. Maybe it was the fact that we chatted in the evening, but I think it gave it an extra touch of relaxation, don't you? Well, if you do, then please do rate or review the podcast, and do subscribe on the podcast provider of your choice. Do follow me in my time capsule on Twitter slash X, Instagram, Facebook, and Threads, where we promise to welcome you with open arms, but not open pockets. You can listen or download the theme tune by Pass the Peas music on. Spotify, and you can get this episode ad-free, plus a bonus called My Time Capsule, the debrief every week. If you subscribe to Acast Plus, which is our sort of Patreon sort of, this was a cast-off production made on behalf of Acast, and it was produced by John Fenton Stevens. Right, I'll leave you with a taskmaster joke, obviously. My wife is a bit of a taskmaster. Yesterday she said, I want you to dig a small hole in the back garden. I said, that's easy enough. She said, nobody needs to be 30 foot deep and full of water at the bottom. I said, "Okay." She said, then I want you to build a wall around the hole and hang a bucket above it. She means well. Bye.